two, one. There's a spaceman standing in the church. He'd like to come and meet us, but he thinks he blew our minds. And he just listens to architects. Nah. <laughs> what is up, everybody? This is Tentacle Bot. My name is Gabe. And I'm Matt. And we are here to discuss For Those Who Wish to Exist, which is the newest album from Architects that was released back in February of 2021. Uh, yeah. I like this album. Uh, Matt, how did you feel about it? It was kind of a hit and miss record for me personally. Um, I kind of found a lot of the things that I had an issue with architects before in my initial ever listening to them were kind of just brought back to the forefront and kind of reinforced why I really am not a, a fan of them personally. Okay. Yeah. I, I was, so I've been a casual listener to them in the past. I was never like a huge fan by mm-hmm. any means, but at the same time, like it was still just one of those things that they came on. It wasn't going to be skipped. Yeah. Uh, but my the the biggest thing that I noticed with this one is there was the obvious shift in sound that was kind of prevalent, and they had been alluding to that really since they started teasing the album. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it was something akin to like what the plot and you did, or what Bring Me the Horizon did, or what I Prevail did, and um, I feel like they actually did it right. Um, I did get a lot of Bring Me the Horizon vibes, and I think a lot of the softer songs, and I definitely will we'll definitely get into a lot of that when we go by this with the song to song is I got a lot of really new Bring Me the Horizon vibes, but there were also songs that I got the 2013 to 2017 Bring Me the Horizon vibes with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so like a lot of the songs, so this album, and and reading some interviews with Dan Searle, who's their their drummer, their songwriter, and kind of just the guy who does it all, except Mm -hmm. for play all the instruments. Right. um, I kind of got the vibe that they had taken a lot of time writing this album, and in doing so, you would kind of see the evolution of their sound in that so like songs like discourse is dead they're going to be a lot heavier because that's what architects was at the time a few Mm -hmm. years ago and now that they're moving into these these newer songs and newer uh this newer direction for them uh then that's kind of where we see songs like dead butterflies demigod uh Mm -hmm. dying is absolutely safe those kind of things things that architects hasn't really tread into before Mm -hmm. um but are really taking those steps into now yeah, and I think even if you go back and look into songs like Doomsday, which is arguably probably their biggest song to date, um, is you can see that they were starting to kind of push into a little bit more of the rock direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going based off of a lot of what I've heard from people, just again, because I haven't really dug into that much of their material, is you start to see is they're starting to move more in the rock direction and kind of doing like a lot of other metalcore bands is where they're starting to push into this almost rock or pop rock kind of thing. And there's definitely a couple of songs that felt a lot poppier than Mm -hmm. others. And then there were some that were a little bit more geared towards the rock element. And then there were also some songs that kind of stuck loyal to the metalcore aspect that they have been known for before. For sure. Like this album felt like an album that, if somebody came to me and wanted me to introduce them to heavy music, mm-hmm. this would be one of the songs that I would point them to. Because okay. it, it would be a blend of something that they're still going to be able to be familiar with, something mm-hmm. that they're going to recognize as kind of what's normal and safe for them. And then it's going to start venturing into the heavy stuff, which is what they do here. And yep. um, so th- this would be one of those albums that I would suggest to somebody. Yeah, and I, I can definitely see that because they're, you know, and again, the 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 fact that they are pushing into a little bit more of the commercial thing is that's that's a definite plus for them too. Of course, yeah. Architects is arguably one of the most popular metalcore bands that's really 
out to date. Yeah, and it, they blew it, up quick. Exactly. Too. I mean, like they've they've been around for a while. This is album like number nine or something like that. But at the same time, like they really started hitting their stride, and uh, I think it was 2013 when they uh, released uh, "Lost Together." Okay. And, and then kind of just going in through the rest of those. Uh, through the rest of their albums, all of our God, mm-hmm. all our gods have abandoned us, uh, holy hell, and then coming out with this one, like we kind of see the evolution in their sound and kind of where it was going, but they did blow up and just kind of, uh, u- ultimately like just were f- thrusted onto the forefront of the medical yeah. genre, and they they just kind of, I mean, it, it's a, a, an almost exponential growth because it's like their their name it occasionally came up and then all of a sudden it's just everywhere. Yeah. Uh, how did you feel lyrically about the uh, album? Lyrically, actually, I really liked it. Um, as I was kind of looking through it, is if I were a lyricist, is a lot of the imagery that you could see Sam using is a lot of what I like or would want to have with my own lyrics if I did that. Is there's a lot of metaphors that were included, but there's also a lot of just kind of this is what we're trying to say, and they're not really hiding behind anything. Mm-hmm. But it was enough metaphor with it that it allowed it to kind of um you know it kind of kind of made you think just long enough to be like okay this makes sense Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah in in an interview uh in an interview with apple music dan explained that they were moving from like the more nihilistic approach of their previous albums Mm -hmm. and uh really had pushed more into like accountability like this album is centered around how what we're doing to the what we're doing to the earth isn't acceptable and we have to take accountability or we're going to lose. And so if we like the the whole album really fits the title. Well, for those who wish to exist, like this is what we got to do. We got to stop doing these things. We got to start doing better. And um, so we see a lot of that throughout this album. And I, I really enjoy it lyrically. It is definitely one of my favorite albums that we've discussed so far mm-hmm. and that we are going to discuss for the, the next few weeks here that we have planned out. Um, I, I definitely liked it. It's very on theme throughout the entire album. It doesn't really stray. It's just, this is what it is. This is what we believe. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the, the metaphorical approach isn't overshadowed by the literal and vice versa. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it was really well done. Um, Dan is a phenomenal, phenomenal lyricist. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure who, who was the one who wrote the, the lyrics on it, but he definitely a fantastic job, but it definitely, um, kind of in addition to kind of what you're saying in regards to the, um, you know, kind of what they were using is I did see a lot of religion pointing to religion. And then there was almost an aspect of, um, like quit hiding behind religion for certain things is I, I was definitely getting a lot of that. So, um, it, 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 there were a lot of really cool lines that I caught throughout the the record and I wish I would have written them down because there were some of them that I just sat there and I was like, Oh, I got a few of them. Don't gnarly. worry. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, uh, musically, how did you feel about the album? I, so the, the one thing that I really like about architects overall, and it's probably the only thing I like about them is the instrumentals. And you definitely see just listening to them is, I don't know how often you read YouTube comments, but a lot of people point kind of like this band is doing an architects ripoff and you kind of listen to that really chuggy, but, um, really good riff style that they do. That's kind of their signature. Um, instrumentally, it was absolutely fantastic, but I personally am not a fan of Sam's vocals unless it's some of the softer stuff and occasional heavy stuff. I just don't like his tone, to be honest. 
I'm gonna fight you. <laughs> for, for me, Sam, his pitch screams are the bar to hit. Mm-hmm. Like they're if you want to do pitch screams, like and you want to be known for them, you have to do them like Sam Carter, or you have to do them better. Um, and his like just his full blown uh, uh, false chord and or sorry not false chord his uh, power fry screams are just so saturated and clean like mm-hmm. it, it I he's one of my favorite vocalists in metalcore to be completely honest <laughs> by uh, and, and at least the the bar for me at least for pitch screams was set really by Randy from Lamb of God and especially for the Wrath record is between songs like Set to Fail as well as the second song on the record I just can't remember the name of it offhand um caught in your words um that but the the pitch screams that he does in that is pretty much where the bar was set and where i while i respect his ability to do what he does i'm just not a big fan of the tone um softer singing stuff yes i'm perfectly fine with and then some of the screaming aspects yes but everything else is pretty in my opinion Cool. So anyway, uh, we're going to be looking for a new co-host, everybody. So if you want to be. <laughs> um, other than that, though, the uh, over my, like the rest of the musical uh, side of things, um, it was kind of hit and miss for me. Like, yeah, there, there there was a lot of really cool stuff that they did with the instrumentals. Dan is a phenomenal drummer. Mm-hmm. Just unbelievable. Some of the stuff that he was able to do. Um, but like a lot of it also just felt kind of lazy. Like in Animals, for example, like that song just feels lazy the whole way through. And I'll, I'll dig into that a little bit more. That's fair. Okay. But like we, we see that a little bit. And I understand that like they were focusing a lot on their experimentation. But I feel like in doing that, they lost some of the cohesiveness of it mm-hmm. where everything in previous albums flowed really well together. And while this album flowed, the instrumentals, I feel like were kind of held back a little bit too much in uh, in trying to get uh the experimentation forward mm-hmm. and i know and i once we get into the track by track is i can definitely kind of agree with you in that because it felt like everything would shoot upward and then it would drop in tempo mm-hmm. and then it would shoot way back up and it was almost they were too often jumping from one side to the next in the spectrum so It started out, and with the intro song, is it starts kind of heavy, it gets really heavy, and then it drops to this really slower song. Then it jumps back to the heavy, then it drops back to the slow, and it does that for a while. And then they kind of keep it on the heavy stuff. Um, And I think the experimentation's cool, but I feel like they jumped around too much. I feel like if they would have organized the record to kind of keep kind of chunk everything together a little bit better maybe just like the first make it more maybe, of like a waveform yeah exactly of, so it's like i'll go all forth. for the heavy and then go for the slower stuff and then go back to the heavy and then maybe end it on a softer note so kind of almost in quadrants uh may actually be a, a better way to comp- yeah. to have done it but um you know that's just kind of my my two cents on it for sure um, and then finally, uh, what we wanted to start introducing into our discussions is going to be a discussion on the artwork. Uh, so how did you feel about the artwork for this album? We had kind of the, uh, the, as we alluded to in our intro here, it was a spaceman standing in a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what did that kind of feel like to you? It it definitely felt like, and you know, after actually listening to the record and looking at the lyrics, is I felt like it really alluded to what the record was going to be about, and it it gives this idea that um this the spaceman or this person is very isolated in this completely empty church, and I I almost get a vibe where it's like he's around a bunch of other people who are very tied to a church. And he's just, he just feels isolated, and he feels like he's the only person in this. And 
you know, even if you look at the the idea of a, an astronaut in space, space is just this giant empty expanse. So it's al- it's almost kind of keeping some of that imagery but also applying it into this this church and again it really goes into what the lyrics are meaning on this record Mm -hmm. yeah and like this it was just a very existential shot and i loved that about this Mm -hmm. um it was like i mentioned earlier like this is more about this album was more about accountability and what Mm -hmm. we're supposed to be doing we have our hand in the destruction of earth and the hand in the destruction of people and um, it, this is the, the concept of the album is to really take an inner look at what part we do play and yeah. what parts that we can play to aid that. Um, and it kind of, uh, I feel like, plays off of Chevelle a little bit last week kind of well because Chevelle, it was yeah. more along the lines of we need to leave Earth because we at this point we're too far gone, whereas this one is what can we do to make sure because this is all that we've got. So instead of trying to explore like the spaceman would normally be in space, he's in church trying to figure out what it is that he can do. Yeah to aid in this because of what we're doing and we need to do, we must do what we have to in order to exist, which kind of fulfills the rest of that album. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go ahead and start uh, getting into the tracks. Uh, do you dream of Armageddon? Um, what did you feel about that one? The, fir- the first thing I thought of, especially just straight out the gate is it's kind of a stereotypical metalcore intro where it starts and it comes off and it, it's a very um, almost electronic kind of start and it hits this really slow build and this is one of the cases where i actually like sam's voice a lot but it's there's not a lot of instrumental behind it to really you know give any insight on but it's a really nice slow build into the next song and it kind of it does have a little bit of setting up of the atmosphere of the record musically so i definitely do like what they did on this one yeah it's very hans zimmer um, Dan admitted that as well. He's like, yeah, I totally got this like idea from Hans Zimmer, like listening to some stuff about him and whatnot. Um, so I, I like the, I like it. It's a really cool opener for the album. And like you said, it really just kind of sets the overarching theme of the album lyrically and musically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just featuring Sam vocally and then some stuff that, uh, Dan had programmed and I feel like it opens up the album really well. Yeah. And it, it was, a, it was definitely a really good opener and like, it, you know, it's, it's a lot of what other metalcore bands have done over the years. And I mean, you could, you could push that as far back as, you know, bands doing it in like 2008, 2009. It's, it's just become a, a mainstay. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure even farther back than that. I mean, like we're going to discuss this next week on Love and Death's Perfectly Preserved. Like they do the exact same thing. Yep. Like it's a different genre, different band, different material, different everything about them. But they still do the same thing. And so this is going to be a trope that we probably see more and more as we go on. As oh, well. abs- yeah, absolutely. Uh, but then that song leads into Black Lungs, um, which this song was a fantastic opener riff me harder (laughs) the like my favorite line hands down in this song was we can all plead guilty when they ask where were you when the gods clipped the wings off the phoenix like something about that line just hit different like we're we're all trying to re-rise out of the ashes the phoenix is going to rise and then the gods the politicians the people in power the autonomy they're clipping those wings and they're preventing them from being able to fly effectively killing them in that way yeah and um that that imagery alone just it's so far from subtle but the but is metaphorically just eloquent and beautiful and uh it's just a banger right out the gate yeah no and and this is definitely where um you know you you start to see where that that aura that started with the previous song and then just leading right into this 
is you know you're in for a ride. Um, and this, this again, stands by the, you know, my, my statement earlier of I see now why it seems like bands kind of rip these guys off with that riff style because it's heavy, it hits really hard, and it really makes you just want to go and just bang your head, jump, and just have a, have a good time. And, you know, that's the, some of the stuff that I really like. The um, vocals on this one is kind of where my my opinion changes. I'll fight you. (laughs) (laughs) I stand by my opinion. But, you know, and it's overall the song was done really well. And I want to say this is actually one of the singles that was introduced for this record. Um, I think it was one of the first couple of singles. Uh, Yeah, I believe you're correct in that. Um, I I don't remember which single it was, but I do know that it was up there. Yeah, and I I think it was this one and Animals and maybe one other one. I just can't remember which one it was offhand. Yeah, I definitely know that uh, Animals was one of them. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but so going in then, uh, going into Giving Blood, uh, track number three, this song was disgusting and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is where um this is where the tempo change really happens um at first and that's where we kind of hit this this wave that becomes the you going from the heavy to the slow to the heavy to the slow to the heavy to the slow. But I really like how it doesn't hit like ballad levels of slow. And it keeps up a little bit of tempo in the guitar to kind of keep it from get, really becoming sort of a lull or, you know, becoming any like a ballady sort of song. The only thing that I noticed at this song that I realized that I wouldn't like throughout the rest of the album is how many times they referenced a sing, singing song. Like in four different songs on this record, they're like talking about singing a song or sing a song or telling a song, singing a song, sing song, sing song. Yeah. And that it's just one of my pet peeves personally in music is when artists sing a song about singing a song. It's just a personal irritant that I know that I'll never get over. And this is just a life that I have to live now. So, Gabe, do you want to <laughs> sing a song about songing a sing? Yes. Sing. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> but yeah, no, I. um. Actually, I don't think I caught that, but now that you actually mention it and now that I think about it a little bit, I actually think I know exactly what you mean and mm-hmm. that I can I can kind of understand your gripe with that. Yeah, actually. So like, it, it was obviously in that song and then I think it was in like Little Wonders and um, I'm trying to remember what the other song was, but there was another song that had uh, had it a bunch in there that just it wasn't for me. <laughs> I, almost, I almost wonder if it might have been impermanence. It's possible. Yeah. But um, yeah. So, but otherwise, the uh, the song's obviously pointing a, a finger at like religions and the part that they've played in our current like political and economical uh, climates. Um, I noticed the insane amount of reverb that they used on his clean parts, which I feel like was kind of covering up for a lot. And we see this throughout the record as well is that they use just a ton of reverb, mm-hmm. um, in like a lot of those lower parts and the parts where he's like using his falsetto, which I know yeah. is something that this is kind of like the first time he's really stepping into that. And um, he's, this is like his, he felt, it was saying that he felt kind of just uncomfortable with it Mm -hmm. and that he obviously has been gaining more and more confidence with it. But um, the amount of reverb feels like they're just kind of trying to cover up some of that incompetence. Yeah. Um, But overall, like the chorus is pretty cool, even though it's singing a song about sing a song and sang a song and sing a song. Songing a sing. Exactly. (laughs) Um, It's definitely a jam though. Yeah. No, I, I definitely enjoyed that one. The following song, Discourse is Dead, might actually be one of my favorites on the record. Mm-hmm. It's um it's back to the heavy, but it it's almost a slow and almost a sludgy kind of heavy. It's 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 a slower heavy and it just kinda you just 
do a slow head bop to it. And it's just like, mm-hmm. mm, this is fun. I yep. like this. Yeah, like it hits those breakdowns towards the end. And then like the uh, my favorite lyric in this one, because like this song just goes super hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, oh, it just won't calculate a prophecy with a twist. Do you really think that Christ was a capitalist? Every man for himself, let thy neighbor <laughs> drown. Amen. Just. Mm. Oh, there, there. Yeah, no, that that line just had a whole lot of just, oh, buddy. There's some, there's a little bit of bitterness that's uh put put into this record, and I one thousand percent stand behind this. Oh, absolutely, so much. Yeah, and Dan and Josh, uh, I I, forget, I think he's the one of the other guitarists. Um, they were discussing this interview, uh, this song in an interview with Kerrang. And uh, they were talking about how like polarized that we've all become. And as a result, that's part of what's preventing us from moving forward. Mm-hmm. And um, again, it's just kind of fitting along with the rest of the theme of the album that like we need to start banding together to get through this. Uh, because at this point, all we're doing is just, is just destroying each other further. Yeah. And it, this isn't a city thing. It's not a state thing, country thing. It, it is like a global issue that we're all becoming so polarized that we're just destroying everything. Uh, regardless of of what stance that you're at and it it kind of just is talking about hey we need to stop doing this we need to be together because at this point discourse that conversation that we're supposed to be having with people is dead yeah but overall solid song and then it leads into dead butterflies which i wasn't expecting to like the song as much as i did but i do the beginning of it remind the first thing that I thought of when the song began was actually a lot of the Metallica S and M vibes, where it's mm-hmm. kind of the the or- or the orchestral um kind of sound. And I I when it started, I that's the first thing that came to mind. I'm like, okay, this this was kind of a fun start, and it, it was definitely one I didn't expect to come off of the on this record. Yeah, absolutely. It was kind of like the the first song showing how much of a different direction that they're going to be moving into Mm -hmm. but at the same time like it was still executed really well um sam's vocal performance was on point i don't care what you think (laughs) (laughs) i'll allow it and like you said like the orchestral performance of the song really hit different like Mm -hmm. when it just opened up in that like it just was this symphonic assault of just awesome yeah and And i like how the the song it, it starts with this orchestral performance and then it kind of hits this slower portion, but the back half, it just hits and it, it kind of retreats back to some of the heavier aspects, but it doesn't reach the heaviness that some of the other songs hit. Yeah. It's, and it's, it, a healthy it's just a blend. great composition. It was an absolutely fantastic way that they put the song together. It was a very healthy blend blend of what they're going towards versus what they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And I can always appreciate that. Um, yeah. I dig it. Yeah, no, and that would that was actually a fun song to listen to, and we'll uh, go right into the next one, which is an ordinary extinction. This was my favorite song on the record. I like chugs. <laughs> there were some chugs in this one, and boy, oh boy, was I a happy boy. Oh yeah, the the, the just the song from beginning to end, like it was a super dark industrial feel, kind of like um, I think Dan mentioned that it was like. He kind of drew some of the inspiration from like nine is na- nine inch nails and a lot of those nineties industrial dark gothic kind of. Vibes. I could I could see that, and especially with it being a very vocally driven verse and then drums to kind of help b- build in the the bridge before going into this really big chorus. And that's one thing I've noticed is, with Architects is with this record is the choruses. I don't know how they did it, 
if they were just able to kind of put in the the right effects or put it layer everything just right where it almost seemed like the sound went from it being very condensed during the verses and the bridge and then it's just almost as if the sound just blew up and it just it the the song felt very full in the chorus which really is how a chorus should end up yeah. being um and i definitely noticed this one and it it kind of just seems to be like it it's a mainstay now in the architect's wheelhouse like they they do it really well um the higher the higher vocals were a l- not quite um you know my <laughs> weren't quite my thing but um you know overall uh, overall i actually quite enjoyed the song and it's just the the chugs yeah yeah like it's definitely a weirder song in comparison with a lot of the rest of their work that they've done in the past Mm -hmm. like because it's just that more industrial dark side of things but yeah like i said it's my favorite song on the record like this is gonna be one that i'm jamming regularly okay moving forward um one that i will not be jamming regularly moving forward is gonna be impermanence because the only thing about this Gabe. song was the fact that Winston McCall slays. Gabe. Matt. The fact that you just told me you will not be jamming this song <laughs> makes me sad. Winston is my dude. And he, yeah, no, he absolutely comes in and kills. Yeah, Winston is the only redeeming part about this song for me. Like, these are the vocals that I miss hearing from Parkway Drive mm-hmm. that he just doesn't do anymore. And he's like, oh, I just felt like I wanted to do something different. I'm like, just do the something different on the Parkway Drive records. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And honestly, like, this is actually one that I'll probably end up coming back to because it goes back to the heavy and it just is heavy throughout. And this is, it, it all, it flows really well. The chorus, you know, it, it kind of goes into the stereotypical metalcore kind of um composition with the screamed verse clean chorus um screamed verse clean chorus breakdown chorus and then kind of closing it Mm -hmm. out and it was a really well done thing and honestly i think winston probably him being on the song is just that extra cherry on top just to kind of keep me wanting to come back yeah lyrically the the song is solid and um it it felt the way that it should wait should Mm -hmm. be with the rest of this album um just kind of focusing on why we can continue to try and uh focus on living permanently when we're just going to die in the end yeah so it, it it's a very dark theme it fits with the rest of the album oh it, but it, just, it fits it vocally, right in vocally the the song outshines the the instrumentals and it just felt boring for the rest of the way and winston mccall needs to do more like that on Parkway Drive Records. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely am a little, I will, you know, as a side tangent before we get into the next song, I do have to kind of agree with that is if Parkway kind of went back into doing a little bit more of the heavy stuff, so kind of on the lines of uh, Wishing Wells on their newest record, if they kind of return to a little bit more of that mm-hmm. is I think that would really keep my attention. But they do have the ability to do some of the softer stuff really well. And there goes the end of my side tangent, but we'll jump right into flight without feathers. And I'm noticing the pattern here again with the heavy, soft, heavy, soft kind of thing. Um, And it honestly, this was a much poppier song and it almost introduced a little bit of EDM aspects into Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So like, it's obviously very different from like what their core sound is, um, but it still feels like architects. 
Um, and again, like in an interview with Dan, I think it was with Apple Music, like he said that this would never be a cornerstone cornerstone of their sound, but it would still be something that they visit in the future. Like this is going to be something that's not going to go away for them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they executed it extremely well. Um, it was one of those things that like just listening to it on its own, like if it weren't an Architects record, I could listen to an album full of this kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, just by itself. But yeah. I wouldn't want that to be the Architects record. Like, if they wanted to do a side project or something like that, that would be pretty neat. Yeah, that could um, actually be kind of neat. But yeah, like, overall, like, the, the song itself was pretty cool. Um, the concept of it fits, again, with the rest of the album. And just overall, I felt, was, like, really executed. It was kind of funny because I was actually um, sitting at my table yesterday because I was kind of working on my notes. And my roommate walked by as I was listening to this on my speaker, and he kind of looked at me, and he was like, are you listening to Imagine Dragons? <laughs> so there was there was a little bit of that vibe. So I got a little bit of a, a kick out of that. But it was a super bassy and very vocally driven. Had the electronics just to kind of push it. Um, it felt like a little bit of a lull for the record. It mm-hmm. was the song was neat, but I do feel like it was a bit forgettable. Um, just kind of when you look at the rest of the the record. Um, it's probably one of the lower points for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like what they were trying to do, but you know, again, it's just not my cup of tea, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And then um, it, it the record moves into Little Wonder, which uh, how, how did you feel about this one? This one, it doesn't reach. Um, there are songs that are heavier than this one, but this feels like it absolutely could be played on radio, um, and mm-hmm. it could be on a, a rock radio. And um, it could, the the choruses just continue to be a very full sound. And I it, again, it just seems like this is going to be a mainstay for Architects, and it's going to be something that they're going to run with moving forward. Yeah. So like the the chorus on this one's like super catchy, but at the same time, I really don't like it. Because again, it's, it's singing a song and songing a sing and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sing you a song. It's uh, easier to swallow. Yeah, the um and then like I love the featuring of Mike Kerr from Royal Blood. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Royal Blood, and we're gonna be reviewing them when their new album comes out here sometime in April. Uh, but I just am sad that I don't get to enjoy it as much because I just don't really like the song. Like, That's like I said, I like the line, the, uh, the line where it says that, uh, you say that you don't want to be saved, but it's easier to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like that line a lot, but just, it gets repeated over and yeah. over and over and over. And th- that, that's the part that kills me for this song. Yeah, no, I, I can, I can understand that. Honestly, I actually quite enjoyed Mike Kerr's voice on this mm-hmm. one, um, but I will definitely be super interested when we do rec- uh, review that Royal Blood record because if he, he sounds anything like he did on this song, I will be definitely into yeah, it. it, it it's it's going to be pretty dope. Yeah, no, I agree. What's not dope is Animals. And I alluded to this earlier, but this song was extremely boring to me. I actually quite like this song. You basic. I'm also, <laughs> I was just about to make the joke. No, I, I, I got to say I am a bit of a basic white girl. The, the issue that I have is, okay, I have a lot of issues with the song. Um, issue number one, the, the reference of humanity, people, cells to animals is just so outdone. It's like songs about being broken. Like, mm-hmm. I'm broken by Seether, broken by Twelve Stones, I'm broken by Pantera. Like, that's just three right off the top of my head. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's outdone and lyrically the rest of the song just feels the same like it just doesn't drive a lot of a point home and 
instrumentally, it's really boring. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's just one of those um, kind of the the standard composure that you would expect from a lot of radio rock songs. Is it definitely follows into that, um, and you see a lot of bands just writing it. I I kind of enjoy just. It's an easy listen, and I think that's part of the reason I really enjoy this song is, and it's actually played on the local radio station out here um, where we're at, and it's, I listen to it, and I'm like, you know, I actually kind of dig it, and it's, and I think it's because it is kind of an easy listen, and Mm -hmm. it's not overly complex where, um, you know, some of the stuff that's a little bit more on the complex side or stuff that's really a lot more technical really doesn't see that radio play. Um, I I quite enjoyed it, but I can definitely kind of see what your gripes with it are. Yeah, and I know I'm in the minority behind it too, just because like I reading folks uh, comments online and stuff like that. Like people do enjoy the song. Uh, it, it is something. Even Dan says that it's like his favorite Architect song that he's that they've ever done, and that hmm. you know, he feels like it's one of their best. And so obviously I'm in the minority, but at the same time I just I don't enjoy this song, and it will not be something that comes across my playlist again. Yeah, and I I think it's one of those things where it's you know. You can't end up liking everything by yeah. a band, like you know. Even as a as I've alluded before in the podcast, as I'm a big Devil Wears Prada fan, is I don't like everything that the Devil Wears Prada has ever put out. And Space AP was trash. You can fight me, <laughs> <laughs> but the like um, hot take eight eighteen was not that good of a record. Nope. Um, but you know it's. I'm a devil. You know, I'm allowed to have the opinion of that, but I've all, you know, I've listened to everything that they've put out, and it's you can't expect to like everything that's come up because not everything's gonna vibe with you. Yeah. So next up, we'll jump into the next track titled "Libertine," um, and I'll just kind of start off with some of my kind of thoughts on it. The first thing I thought of, and something I really found myself thinking throughout the song, was Lincoln Park. Actually, um, I was definitely getting. This is where I really got the "Bring Me the Horizon" vibes about yeah. 2013, 2017. Um, it was a mixture of the Sempaternal era meets Drown. Uh, just getting a lot, a lot of "Bring Me the Horizon" vibes, and honestly, I was actually kind of vibing with this song. Oh, I super um, like this song. The lyrically, like opening up with that "We Are the Rust, Worshiping the Rain," just talking like the whole song is lyrically talking about falling for the ones that hurt them, and uh, they're really kind of pushing more on like the political side of things. Yeah, like, we're falling for the the people who are politically going to continue to hurt hurt us, and just overall, like I feel like the song was really solid. Um, his vocal performance again was just off the charts. I don't care what you say. <laughs> I think this one. I think this is one of the ones where I actually did enjoy the vocals. I think just all around, this is. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say it's my favorite on the record, but it's definitely up in the top. I really enjoyed this song. Yeah, a lot. I, I would say like number one for me is going to be an ordinary extinction. Number two is discourse is dead, and then this one fall at number three for me. Okay, no, and that that's yeah, that's probably. Um, I'd probably put this at probably number three mm-hmm. about in my list as well. Yeah, just like from from start to finish, it's a solid song. They mm-hmm. deliver on what they do, and it, it's an architect song through and through. Yeah, no, and it, it's definitely you know it goes back to the kind of stereotypical metalcore um, genre composition, and honestly, it just works really well. So it's I I really can't say that there's any complaints on this one, honestly. Yeah. Um, it sounds like we kind of wrap that one up, so we'll jump into Goliath. Um. Do you want to kind of give your thoughts on that one first? Yeah, um, I wasn't really impressed with the song overall. It just, 
felt kind of like a filler song. Um, the the feature by Simon Neal from Biffy Clyro, that was kind of a cool feature, just kind mm. of something very out of his element to begin with. Right. But, like, he did stellar with. Um, it kind of, kind of like the uh, the Mike Kerr thing on uh, on the uh, Little Wonder. Like it was the same thing. Like it was a it, it was a feature that was outside of his element, but at the same time, like still fit the song really well. So yeah. I, I feel like they did a really good job in picking that with it. But overall, just the rest of the song just felt kind of boring. It it, it was very much kind of just your uh, later half of the uh, of the set arena rock kind of song before mm-hmm. they get back into some of the hits and finish it off with the bang kind of thing. Like yeah. this is a filler song that just didn't really stand out to me all that much. So, and this this one is, and I'll, I'll kind of go through, it, as I made my notes, is it was literally as I was listening through the song. So, I made the note, it's got some fast riffs, and that I dug a lot. And Doing I... your riffs. I love <laughs> me some riffs. And I was, I was just sitting there, and I'm like, this song just absolutely has my attention. This might take my cake as a favorite one. And then minute three happened. <laughs> And the ever all, all of the hype that was built up just crashed down. I all my faith in the song was just gone, and it was what happened at minute three that made you do that. I, it was I can't remember. I'm not sure if it was Sam at that point or if it was the the guest vocalist. I can't. What was the name? Simon Neal from Biffy Clyro. Okay, and I don't know which of the vocalists, but I think it was they were trying to hit this high note, and just all, all the vocals just went up really, really high, and something else was going on with it. And I'm like, oh, all right. So it's it just it felt like all of the everything they had done in the song up to that point was like everything flowed perfectly and then it just was a complete 180 from what they were doing before and i was just like no i'm not cool with this one so this probably ends up going towards like middle ground so it's kind of one of those ones where it's just kind of meh because the 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 good offsets the bad and it doesn't really push it either way in a, a more mm-hmm. positive direction yeah um, and then like, if we're, if we're going to discuss the kind of the bottom of our list, this next song really is kind of there for me. Um, Demigod wasn't really just not my favorite on the album. Um, it was one of those that, uh, when Dan was talking about Sam doing different things vocally and kind of going in this new direction with architects, he named this song along with like dead butterflies. And mm-hmm. like, if I were to put the two on a scale, I mean, dead butterflies is going to win hands down every time. I'd, I'd have to agree with th- th- that. This song, like, it just... It felt like one of those songs where it's just kind of like it just never gets there and it's almost tiring that it doesn't get there. Mm-hmm. Um, they really put forth a lot more of the experimentation in it, like in the vocal effects and the way that they wrote the song. And it just, I didn't really fit well for me. Um, it, it was really reminiscent of the facts, uh, the fact of like all these new metalcore bands that they're moving towards this direction. Yeah. While, and while the rest of the, the album does a really good job of what Architects is trying to do, this is more reminiscent of the ones that are failing to do it mm-hmm. and that they're just trying to go this softer, quieter route and the, that are failing, unfortunately. And um, it kind of just brings and it invokes that sense of, okay, this is what everybody else in the genre is doing now. We need to find a new way to shake things up instead of everybody right. going into this new direction that really isn't all that new because everybody else before them has done it. Like I mentioned before, the plot and you bring me the horizon. I prevail. Now, architects, everybody else is trying to do these things. We need to find a new way to shake things up. Yeah. And I, I definitely stand by that because it, you know, it, the, the first sentence of my notes is just back to the formula. But I think mm-hmm. uh, architects is 
the formula seems to work out well enough that it's practice makes perfect. And I I feel like it's really easy for them to do this formula because it, it almost feels like they've been doing it so much. They're kind of the the people to follow and any formula mm-hmm. was a formula that they effectively created right well where while in reality they didn't necessarily create it but they're the ones who showcase it the best and they're the most popular so like you mentioned earlier it feels like people are trying to copy architects yeah they may not necessarily be copying architects but architects is just the one that's done it so much mm-hmm. that they kind of have become the standard for it yeah and then the other the other thing in kind of you know, this is this is definitely one of the kind of lulling parts of the record is the backing effects in the piano in the choruses is it helps to really bring out that kind of fullness to to the, mm-hmm. the chorus. And it was one of the things that really kind of point, you know, my my attention was really brought to that. That's really what probably the best part of the song was, is just how full they were able to make the chorus. And that's something, again, that this band seems to do really well on this mm-hmm. record. Is everything will kind of feel very, very little, very small, very just minimal almost. And then the chorus, it'll just blow up and it's just a very full sound. And it, it almost sounds like everything is just, it's grandiose is a good way to describe yeah, their, their it. Dynamic, uh, just th- their dynamic range on their records are, is always solid. Like they never mm-hmm. have put forth the poor offering of that yeah i just feel like this is not the best way to showcase the new direction that they're going yeah and that's honestly understandable the song following this one is meteor and i can actually see this being a single i see a lot of similarities to animals and just kind of how like the the simplistic side of it and it's kind of catchy and you kind of mm-hmm. kind of bob your head to it so i was definitely a really big fan on that yeah in an, in another interview dan was advising that he fully admits that this song was written to be an arena rock song mm-hmm. and like for a uh, for a genre that really isn't it's very against that arena rock style it's very against yeah. people getting popular and, and gaining success because then at that point, that means that you've sold out. And I feel like this is kind of just throwing that back in their face while still also having like the the lyrical content of the song fitting the rest of the record. Yeah. Um, I, I, I enjoyed this track. I feel like it was a solid uh, closing, pseudo closing to, yeah. the, to the record. Uh, obviously, track 15 we'll talk about here in a second. But that's kind of like one of those weird outlying situations where this is really the true ending of the record. Right. And then they kind of finish it off with a, with an epilogue. Mm. Yeah. But overall, like, I feel like this is a solid song. Um, I, it's not my favorite by any means, but it's, it's still like a decent sort of catchy song and overall, like instrumentally, lyrically, it, it fit what I was expecting for the rest of this record and the way that the rest of this record should end. Yeah. And I, I, it definitely, I can definitely see this one being played live and it makes sense that they kind of push for that sound, especially from what Dan said. So honestly, I, if I were to hypothetically go and see Architects, I would almost expect this song to be played live because of just the mm-hmm. type of vibe it is. But um, it's I don't think it's big enough yet to to kind of be a, a mainstay in the set. It might be yeah. something where it's like, yeah, we're doing the the tour to promote the the record. This is going to be one of the songs that they play because it's, I, I would imagine it's going to get some really popular, really warm welcome from mm-hmm. folks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then kind of going on that uh, that vibe train there, the final song, Dying is Absolutely Safe. Um, my only complaint about this song is that it was more of an orchestral uh, mm-hmm. uh, offering rather than just being completely stripped back with like a single acoustic. Yeah. Um, I feel like that would have really driven it home a little bit more. Um, 
and that's just really a personal uh, preference on that. But I feel like a single acoustic and then letting Sam just do what he's doing in yeah. the song, I feel like that would have allowed the the song to be opened up more lyrically instead of... Because for me, it felt like a lot of the orchestral elements behind it were really distracting from the actual song itself. Yeah, and one of the... The first thing that I actually thought of as I was kind of listening to the song is it's a, a lot more... Um, Strip down is not quite the right right way of describing it, but if you're familiar with the song "Open Water" by Bless the Fall, mm-hmm. it was the ender on Hollow Bo- their 2013 release "Hollow Bodies." Is it reminded me a lot of that, except pulled back a lot because at least in the Bless the Fall song, is you can hear a little bit more of the, ele- the like electric guitar, and this one felt a lot more acoustic. It was a lot more of the orchestral, um, and I think the acoustic instrumental pieces were very minimal in the song. Um, but you know, it's just a big reminder. I enjoyed kind of the the way it closed, and it felt a lot like a, a bit of a callback to the first song, the "Do You Dream of Armageddon," it just being that slower kind of mm-hmm. orchestral vibe. But it kind of built on the orchestral piece of it, and it was just a kind of a nice way to kind of bookmark the um, or bookend the record. Yeah, it, it was definitely a, a interesting way to end the record, but at the same time, like I like the way that they ended it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it definitely put a, a good closing on the whole thematic piece uh, uh, that this record was meant to be. Yeah. And I mean, obviously it was very intentional and what they did with it, they did well with it. Um, I just, I feel like, it, it, like I said, it's just a personal opinion. I feel like having a little bit more stripped down version of it really would have driven home the point of the song more. I think that, and honestly, stripping it down a little bit more may have actually kind of added to, I, th- I think I can kind of agree with you on that. I feel like at least based on what it was and how it did, I think it did a pretty adequate job at doing so. Um, so I won't, um, I can't say, you know, again, it's not going to be one of my favorite songs, but the as an overall way to end the record, I would, I would say I'm satisfied with it. Same. Cool. Yeah, well, that is going to be uh, all 15 tracks of Architects for those who wish to exist. Uh, Matt, overall on the album, on a scale of one to eight tentacles, one being completely unlistenable and eight being you're going to be listening to this thing on repeat forever and ever and ever. Where you at? So, um, and remember, I'll fight you. <laughs> so this and this, um, you know, and based on kind of what I've said through the through the podcast is it may kind of come off as this thing is just near unlistenable i'm actually going to give it a 4.5 out of 8 um i really you know i've heard the biggest song by these guys and i wasn't a big fan i got through this record and i found the aspects of this band that i do enjoy i do also have the aspects that i don't um i i respect what they what they're doing and it it's not something that i plan to come back to very much um, but if I do return to it, it's going to be in a very limited capacity. But it, it does have the possibility that potentially over time I may be able to kind of warm up to the band. Um, I think it's just kind of right down the middle. I've, I would be open to kind of coming back to it, but I'm not going to um, just willy-nilly kind of pick it up kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, for me, um, I would say it's, it's probably going to be sitting right about a six. Uh, six out of eight. Um, there's definitely songs that I'm going to be jamming for, for some time afterwards mm-hmm. here, but there's definitely a lot of songs on this record that I would skip if I'm listening to it in a, uh, in a, in a more just leisure capacity. That's fair. Um, but I, I feel like six, like it was a strong offering. I really appreciate what they did, how they chose to move forward in their sound. 
uh, and I feel like they did a really good job uh, overall. Um, so a, a six out of eight would be uh, my offering for that there. Yeah, and honestly, I can, like I said, you know, I can completely respect a lot of what they're doing and kind of the the idea that they're trying to evolve in the way that they're doing so. And there were aspects of it that I think were done well. It's just, you know, again, I've just got kind of my gripes, and there were there were a few things that I felt like they they were really going towards, but they almost didn't meet the line that I almost wanted them to hit. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Um, now, moving forward here, uh, we are going to go into the hidden track, which is going to be something where we talk about uh, something outside of this particular album. Uh, Matt, what do you have for us this week? So, um, as I was actually hanging out with a buddy of mine, is he and I have had a chance to talk a little bit about uh, metal bands and just kind of talking about different things that we're into. And he actually got me turned on to a band by the name of Phineas. Mm. Um, they've been around a little while, and one of the ways he described them is he kind of calls them, they're kind of a great value Christian metalcore band. <laughs> kind of the like a generic brand style. Um, and for, for just to kind of clarify spelling, it is P-H-I-N-E-H-A-S. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually got to listen to, it's called I Am The Lion yep. off of their 2011 record. And then I actually took a listen to, I think I've gotten about halfway through the 2015 record they put out. And I'm honestly really impressed with what they've got. Um, I definitely want to look into a little bit more of their material. I'm super impressed with what I've heard so far. Um, and honestly, I just got to say I'm... I'm a fan. I'm a little surprised I didn't get into them sooner, but you know, better late than never, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I was actually uh, a pretty re- big fan of uh of Phineas as well. I've actually seen them live a couple times. Oh, that had to have um, been sick. Oh, it was super great. Um, there's so there. Yeah, you mentioned their song "I'm the Lion," which is a solid song. Uh, another song that's off that same record is "A Pattern in Pain," which is my introduction to them. Oh, okay. Which um is just this crazy, just driving song throughout the entire song, and then it's got like these crazy guitar parts, like pound for pound like they're musicians that can definitely hang with the best of them oh wow um, okay yeah so i 100 definitely recommend them um the that particular record is uh, the god machine uh from 2011 they've got a few records that are beyond that mm-hmm. and they uh, they do a solid job uh for me this week it was going to be the new attila single which honestly slapped that yeah, I I do have to say there were a lot because actually you uh you had actually pointed me in the direction of it I kind of fell off of Attila, but this actually kind of has my attention again. I this felt like Attila is bringing it back instead of just from being the party animal discussing shock Mm -hmm. value kind of band. Like they're actually bringing back in the uh, elements that I would rather hear. Yeah, Um, because pound like it just honestly, Franz has one of the best vocals in deathcore. Oh, one hundred percent. Like it just the his vocal capability is hardly matched by many no. and uh, so I, like i want to hear more of that but at the same time i don't want to hear him talking about the disgusting things that he does in his other songs because right. quite frankly it just doesn't cater to me i don't find it funny and i don't really find any value into it mm-hmm. but this one like there was still some of that it was still attila post uh post about that life but mm-hmm. at the same time like they took it back in, in a more serious direction and we got to hear them showcase just something that we hadn't really heard before and kind of that more uh, stuttery effects to it. And I, yeah. I, I overall really enjoyed the song. I One of the things I will say about that song is I did kind of like the kind of like shouting, kind of singing vocals mm-hmm. that he does in the chorus. 
Um, and I think he actually went through Melissa Cross for some, vo- like, oh, actually really? learning how to scream. And I think that's why when you heard the song Bulletproof, is he's singing, is I think he actually went to Melissa Cross for it. I could be wrong, but at least from, I believe it was an interview with him or something he had posted on social media, is he was kind of talking about Melissa Cross. Um, so I may have just kind of misunderstood it, or he actually went to her, and I think that helped him out a lot because his voice has actually, I think, in a, a multiple ways has gotten better. All right, awesome. Yeah, I'm 100% with you there. But uh, that'll be what uh, wraps it up here for us this week. Uh, next week, we're going to be diving into Perfectly Preserved by uh, Love and Death. So we're going to be really diving in deep into uh, what happens when you cross Christian rock with corn. And uh, the answer may surprise <laughs> The answer may surprise you. <laughs> yeah, boys. But uh, yeah, that'll be it, guys. We do appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please go like, subscribe, rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. And we will see you next time. We'll see you.